Welcome in brand new Friday Scramble, June 3rd, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack. Andy, first show of June, dude. I cannot believe that. Yeah. Um, the golf calendar, like I feel like my schedule <clears throat> is based around the golf calendar, right? I, I That's how I kind of conceptualize how the year is going. And I can't believe that we are, I mean, we're going to be starting to talk U.S. Open and whenever, maybe even today. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I've am i already started looking ahead to it. So, sorry, RBC Canadian, which is always always the tough place to be when everyone is, uh, hey, it's a great tournament. They're going to have a great field. But like, oh, man, just can we get this over with? Can we get this over with? Can we get to Brookline? That's, that's going to be the vibe, I have a feeling. Right. And it's um it's a good field actually, which is kind of what we got at Byron Nelson. Um, I don't think they've really they released the official field later this afternoon, but they have there's a they have done like the you know, the early commitments on their on their Twitter page. And it seems like um it seems like more players are starting to do the JT thing. Um with uh, or i mean you know there are way other players way way before jt that did this but the the idea of playing a tournament before a major i feel like is becoming more prevalent jt is going to play six out of seven weeks because this is his only week off yeah. he's playing canadian open davis no. riley may never take a week off well, why would you why would you when you're just pilot <laughs> i would never take a, a week off either i have this uh i don't even know if it's a hot take but i feel like so we've seen so many optimizations and improvements uh, in the last couple of decades in athletes and in golf. I'm waiting for the guy who optimizes recovery and rest and travel to the point where he just plays every single week. Yeah, kind of like the kind of like what LeBron has done, the durability that we've seen out of LeBron in basketball. Um, who do you think the best candidate for that is? Who do you think the best guy in their 20s or 30s now that is going to the best candidate to say win a major at like 48? Oh, oh, uh, interesting. So probably <clears throat> I could see Colin Morikawa winning majors right. in a decades. Right. I think right. that's a good answer. Yeah. Just because I you have to think about point. yeah. Yeah, you have to think about skill set and injury history and kind of how they swing right and i think morikawa has a very repeatable motion i don't think it's a swing that puts a lot of strain on his body um it doesn't really seem like he gets injured a ton and his main skill set should age well i agree I agree. Yeah. Um, Mirfield Village playing. Is it playing a little easier than you anticipated, or at least on Thursday? Uh, the afternoon got a lot more difficult uh, during the opening round. But are these scores a little bit lower than you thought, or are we right on pace? I think we're right on pace. I think this afternoon, too, will be a little bit um, tougher. I mean, remember, we got some rainfall on Wednesday. Um, so Thursday morning was really good conditions. You can already see the course starting to, to bake out a little bit and, and the wind always kicks up in the afternoon. You've got all those, all that foot traffic on the greens too. So I think it's going to be, I mean, we've got, 
the leaders at seven under right now, um, which was, I think what the 36 hole leader was at at like the PGA championship. Right. So I, I, I think it is, no, I think it's right on schedule. Do you think it's playing or is it playing a little differently than you expected? No, I think the, the, the wet, uh, softer conditions on Thursday definitely allowed for, for scoring, but there was like a, let's see here. There was nearly a shot difference from the morning to the afternoon yesterday. So it yeah, definitely, like yeah quickly um davis riley denny mccarthy tied atop the leaderboard at seven under davis riley and cam young are just stapled to the top of every single leaderboard i don't know how to evaluate these guys i was like excited to fade them this week in terms of like this is just a bad scheduling spot you're buying really high you're buying these guys at the top of the market um and at high ownership and in DraftKings, that's like what I love doing. I love like utilizing public perception on a player and price increase and ownership to fade. I like (laughs) they're just, they keep playing great. Right. So I, it's, it's hard to figure out what to do. And I think it, I think it kind of goes back to this one thing that I keep telling myself, but don't do the best job of integrating always into my DFS strategy and betting cards where I think this was a Kevin Kisner quote, but he got asked for some tournament. He got asked like, Hey, do you mentor any of the newer guys? And he goes, mentor, what are you talking about? These guys are more ready and prepared than they've ever been. In fact, they should be mentoring me because they're fearless out there. They're, uh, and I, and once you play, once you're out here for, you know, years, your attitude kind of gets hardened and, and, and you build up this scar tissue and these guys just go out and play. So, um, cannot say enough about how impressed I am out of Riley and young so far. Those two, along with Mito Pereira, uh, guys like that are why when I play one and done, I just don't save anybody. I just empty the clip immediately because these guys are going to pop up every year. There's two or three or four guys that you're going to feel comfortable playing later in the season that you did not really know existed January 1st, or they were on the corn ferry or whatever it is. Um, Which is why I kind of just have abandoned the idea of saving stars and and work easing my way into the season because it doesn't feel like there's a, a need for that right a hundred percent yeah that's very well said i feel the same way unless you're like me and you you pick players that get disqualified yes. um but uh yeah i mean we have a great this is best rookie class it feels like in a while right i can't we're hovland and morikawa in the same class and yeah Wolf. Morikawa Wolf were all this okay. but like okay, so it's funny because we had that conversation like two years ago. I I I think we did it on the first cut where it was, is this gonna be a historic class? Are we going to look back at this in 10 years and say, holy crap, look at the guy? Because remember, they were all inside the top 15 of the world ranking within 18 months of being professionals, maybe sooner than that, maybe 12 months of being professionals. And we were thinking, wow, this might be a historic class. I'm not so sure anymore. I think we are going to just get stud classes all the time. Yeah. Unless they all go to, to live, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, 
bit who's your rookie of the year at this point right now it's got to be young right has to be young yeah he's just piled up so many top threes they've been at i i care about what types of courses they come at uh yeah. if, if riley were to win this that would probably swing it in his favor because he's now got a playoff loss to Sam Burns. He'd have a win at the Memorial, which is an elevated status invitational event. He'd have a bunch of other, you know, kind of top 12s, including one at the PGA Championship. So, so Riley is, he could swing it for sure. But right now it's cameo. Poor Chad Ramey. He's the only guy who's won. He's not even a part of the conversation. Not even close. I mean, what, I'd vote Mito over Chad Ramey. <laughs> right. What happens if Chad Ramey wins like the Rocket Mortgage? And he's got two wins. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, he would probably win it. That would be like the old school versus like the Saber metrics conversation for like Hall of Fame voting or something like that, where right. it's like, oh, well, he's got two wins. He's got to be the rookie of the year. And you're like, well, but this guy's got seven top tens. Two of them yeah. are at majors. And was like, like two of the weakest field events in, of the year. Right. It was like the player of the year last year with Rom and Cantlay. Rom had this really gaudy strokes game number and all these top tens and relevant finishes, but he only had that one official win. So yes, anyway. right. It's it's bizarre. Uh, the other thing, Rory McIlroy made eagle on number five, and he is uh, charging up the leaderboard. Currently, one shot off the lead. I want no other outcome than Rory winning this week because we'd get just like you know. It'd be great for content. It'd be great for all that stuff. I bet him I would move into a great position in in one that big one and done the fantasy golf championships. I I would be like in the mix. Like I I need I need Roy McIlroy to win this golf tournament. How about that shot into the par five? I mean, the one that he had six feet for eagle. This is a shot of the tournament so far. The other one that he hit into the other five into fifteen was like a half an inch away from being a kick-in eagle, and it got caught up on the slope right there where everything funnels down. Like he, and, he, and actually, he's had a couple of sloppy bogeys. This could, this could have been a really, really low one for Rory. Right. Um, if, he, if he wins this week, does that change how you feel about him for the U.S. Open? Uh, I don't even know how I feel about him for the U.S. Open in general. Um, right. So... You've probably done more Brookline research than than I have, but um, it, it it seems like it's going to be a very stern test. It seems like uh, you're going to have to drive it well, and these greens are very, very small. What I love about Rory this week, and I suppose this would also count for the U.S. Open, he is literally in the best around the green season of his career and he's yeah. one of the top players recently which when you add that when you add not spending strokes around the green to everything else that rory already does well that is a really good combination i completely agree i think he's got a super super underrated short game um, he's one of the best long-term bunker players in the world, actually. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I actually ended up really liking him at Southern Hills and thought he was had a really great chance to win there too. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, I always like asking you this um, once we start getting up to it, but 
has he like to you, if he continues to play well and at the very least contends this week, has he to you like passed John Rom in terms of pricing and on the odds board? Cause I think we could both agree, especially coming after colonial, like Scheffler, you gotta kind of have him as the deserving favorite for majors at this point. But has that ne- that next guy for a while has always been Rom, or Rom has been first for a while too. Does does Rory kind of enter that tier for you? I've always been a believer that when everyone's at their best, Rory's the best. Right. Which which is, I think is kind of how I'd answer that. So I would say yes. If Rory yeah. finishes inside the top five. And John Rahm finishes, you know, whatever, T45 or something, wherever he's trending, even inside the top 25. Yeah. Like, Rory's been on a great run. Rory's been awesome. And Rahm hasn't been bad, but, like, you got to start splitting hairs at some point. 100%. I agree with you. Rory has been awesome. Um, And, I mean, even this week, they were kind of neck and neck on the odds boards. Like, what was the best number you were able to find on Rory? Like, 14? Uh, yeah, 12 was like, I think the consensus, I think I got 14 right. here, but I, you know, circus always got longer lines. That's not even fair. But like, I think like 12 was like the consensus you probably got on Rory and Rom was 11, something like that in most places. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel pretty good about our Patrick Reed bet, right? I mean, it looked like he was struggling there on day one, but he's made a nice little comeback. Yeah. I'll tell you what the board is. Um, I, I like the way this board is shaping up. Hopefully it, you know, obviously. Too, too much golf left to be played uh, for, for my tastes. I've seen this go sideways. Um, I want to get to the props here quickly, Andy, because there are some that tee off in 21 minutes. There's some that tee off in 33 minutes. There's some that's off in 45 minutes. So we are going to have to move quickly here. So what we're going to do on the other side, uh, we are going to go through a little bit of strategy for prize picks and talk through the props board. The code to get yourself a deposit bonus for that is, is Rick. There's a link in the description. You can sign up, get your bonus, and hopefully find uh some victories so we'll hit that right after a quick break andy lack is not only the co-host of the scramble but also produces his own show the inside golf podcast it's available twice a week focusing on course breakdowns dfs and betting strategies for every pga tour event Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot here. Here is the uh, prize picks board for today. And we spent a lot of time earlier this week trying to figure out these birdie or better matchups and whether they were a trap or not. I will say three of the top five differences between uh, between golfers, they, they did win. So three out of five on the right side. But so I wouldn't call it a trap, but I wouldn't call it not a trap. <laughs> right didn't like we were bemoaning why riley was matched up with like john rom and like riley ended up winning that right i think the the only thing that i would say about these matchups is you know 
keep in mind that when, and this is the way that I approach like regular matchups too, in, in terms of just betting, keep in mind for single round for 18 holes of golf, there's so much variance involved, right? That generally in terms of a single round matchup, I generally lean towards the underdog. Now in prize picks, they're just giving, they're not giving you an underdog, right? They're just giving you two guys head to head straight up, you know? Um, but I, I don't, I think a lot of things can happen in, in just 18 holes. So that's kind of what, why they maybe feel like there's a little bit rest, less risk involved for them. They're not saying here, here's 72 holes of golf between John Rahm and Davis Riley. Uh, it's more, it's a, it's a shorter term thing. So that's, that's kind of the only thing where I think they're hedging their bets a little bit, if that makes sense. How much would you look at? what happened yesterday. Like Cam Smith made a ton of birdies or better yesterday. I think seven of them, Jordan speed led the field or was near the top of the field in strokes game putting made four birdies. How much is round one influencing what you do in round two for birdie or better matchups? Or would you just continue to look at kind of those longer term birdie rates? I definitely want to factor in what they did in round one, right? If somebody hit the ball really well in round one, I think that, matters, right? I think you want to look at in-tournament regression, but you want to, I think the mistake a lot of people make in round-to-round matchups and live betting is they don't factor in long-term baseline into what somebody did in a single round. So for example, like, you know, Luke Liss putted terribly in round one. I don't actually know if he did. This is just a, you know, broader example. Of course, his putter's going to come back. No, he actually putted exactly to his baseline in round one. So I kind of do a mix of both, if that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. And then, um, Armina, do, do we have that graphic for the stuff from yesterday's round? There we go. Okay, so yesterday, as mentioned, did get more difficult in the afternoon. The afternoon wave played a stroke over par. Uh, right now, we're about a half a stroke over par. So we are kind of trending potentially if we get kind of the same outcomes as yesterday to be a little bit more difficult in round two than round one average fairways for round one was 9.1 average greens and regulation was 10.35. Let's start with the fairways here, Andy. So average fairways 9.1. I'm going to steal the screen back here. Armina. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, you can see most of them are hovering in that, nine, nine and a half, maybe 10 and a half. Yesterday, answer hit 13 fairways. Morikawa hit 11. Cantlay hit 10. Cam Smith. How about Cam Smith scoring like he did hitting seven fairways yesterday? Unbelievable, right? And I think that was the concern with Cam Smith yeah. too, where it was like, he's going to get himself in, in trouble off the tee. O'Reilly just made bogey to get back to six. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about a guy in Cam Smith that won the players championship losing like five strokes off the tee. Right. Yeah. Um, so he just, he figures out a way. He's one of those guys like Kuchar yesterday, I think hit like six or seven greens in regulation and shot two under yeah. um, or something like that. So yeah, you know, I think as the fairways firm up a little bit, Rick in the afternoon, I would probably lean towards the unders. What about you? Yes, I would lean towards the under. And like the Cam Smith one is actually kind of exciting, right? Because 
I like, you know, the under the under on that. So if we think it's going to play harder, if we think it's going to get harder to hit fairways, this is a guy who has proven he doesn't need to, nor maybe can he hit a ton of fairways. And I think that's a good thing, right? Like he's not reliant on that to shoot a score. It, it, he could have a great score and miss a ton of fairways. He could have a bad score and miss a ton of fairways. They're not tied together, which I actually think is a good thing if you want the under if you want the underside of it, um, greens and regulation, as you mentioned. So there are a couple out here, like Adam Scott hit. I, I think he ended up hitting seven yesterday, but he, I think he hit his last two or three to pad those stats a little bit. Joaquin Neiman hit 13 yesterday. His line right now is 11 and a half. Hoagie hit 12. His line right now is 11 and a half. These feel, these feel a little bit closer to fair to me. I, just looking at it here, I think there's. I would probably lean towards doing more fairway stuff than green stuff. I agree with you, especially because you know all of the guys with looking through all the the guys that they give us for greens and regulation. All of them, at least long term, are pretty good iron players, right? I'm not. I'm not seeing anybody that is like a clear guy to pick on in terms of iron play. I guess the best category, I guess the best guy for that would probably be Horschel. Yeah. Um, Horschel's probably like the worst and I kind of Adam Scott's been super volatile, um, but I don't want to like take Cam Smith's has turned into an absolutely elite iron player in the past three months. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's gained over nine strokes on approach in both majors this year. Right. So it, kind of looking at these guys, even Spieth is hitting his irons great right now. So I would probably have a more difficult time finding guys to pick on in terms of greens and regulation than I would fairways. Okay. And uh, just as we are talking, uh, we are already seeing that scoring average start to rise. So when I updated the outline earlier and what you saw on uh, this graphic was a half a stroke over par. We're now eight tenths of a stroke over uh, so we are seeing that kind of similar afternoon trend continue so if there are a couple of you know low strokes that you like we think that uh the course appears to be getting more difficult as it did yesterday which is always yeah. good yeah i think rory's got another eagle putt though <laughs> for, for the love of or, or an easy chip yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's just uh, maybe just off the green the fringe. Yeah. Yes, but let's go Rory. Okay. So, uh, that big fantasy golf championships one and done. If I, if depending on the outcome, if Rory wins and depending on how other guys do, I could be in the top five and that's wow. 50, 50 grand a first. So what? So I got to ask you this because I'm not doing well in that one and done. Like, what did the season have to look like for you to be in this position? Like, how many guys have you had that have won? Okay, I'll I'll pull it up for you. Here's what we'll do. I'll I'll bring that up on the other side. So, uh, the code you're looking for for Prize Picks is Rick. There's a link in the description. Go sign up. Take advantage of uh the data and the stats that we we see trending in the right direction. Here, we'll talk about that entry. We'll talk about a bunch of other stuff right after these words. 
if you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay. We're back. So I have, uh, I got off to a very slow start, similar to what I did here. I took zeros in three of the first four weeks and I've gotten hot recently. I have picked two winners. Now they happen to be Scotty Scheffler at the Arnold Palmer. So that was 2.1 million and Justin Thomas at the PGA championship, which is 2.7 million. Okay. Outside of that, I have one, two, three, four. Five other top fives. So two wins, five top fives. Okay. Yeah. That's probably be a, I, I was gonna say my guess with that you'd need one big win, whether it be the Masters or the PGA or the players, probably one other win. And then yeah, a couple guys, a couple guys in the mix. Yeah. You gotta you gotta win the right ones. And there's still there's still like 10 or 11 events events to go. So it's, it, there's a lot of golf to be played, but, uh, fingers, I, that ball just looked like it bounced on Rory. I don't know where he ended up. Is he close? Uh, I get, I think I've got the same camera angle as you. They're not even showing where it ended yeah, up for birdie. Right. So it really kind of sucked. Um, okay. I want to look at the live odds very quickly here. Uh, and just see what's going on. Let me pull this up real quick. So, Live in play, Rory's the favorite. Oh, that makes me happy. Plus 330, Cam Smith plus 700, Will Zaltoris 11 to 1, Cam Young 12 to 1, Davis Riley 14, Jordan Spieth 18. Those are the leaders. Let me share my screen so everybody can follow along with this. There we go. Okay. Roy McElroy plus 330, Cam Smith 7 to 1. Uh, you kind of like guys that are probably done now or getting close to being done now, right? Yes. I like Xander Shoffley at 28 to one. Get in at three. That's fine. Get in at three. It's going to be seven. I think this afternoon, I don't think anyone, I don't know if it maybe eight, but you know, you're then, you know, are the five under guys, you know, the Luke less are those guys, capable of, you know, going two, three under, I think so. But this isn't a course where you're seeing a lot of five unders out there. So suddenly you're starting to ask the guys at four and three, are they going to shoot four or five under? So if you're in the clubhouse at three, where's Sung Jay, by the way? Yeah. Sung Jay 35. Oh, that's crazy. I would say Sung Jay over Xander, actually. Sung Jay at 35 is the best bet. He's about to, he's at, uh, I'm not, I, I, I'm not just saying this because these were my guys pre-tournament, but 
he is playing. He's got, he's in the fairway at 17 and then he's got one more hole to play, which is a tough hole, but he's at four under par and he's 35 to one. I bet him pre-tournament at Rory Mess, by the way, unfortunately. That's just brutal. That's the easiest hole, of course, too. Yeah. I think Sung Jay and Xander are the guys you, you want. What about you? Aaron Wise too is interesting. The Sung Jay one's interesting because as things continue to get harder on the weekend, I I trust Sung Jay in those conditions, right? Like we've seen him win Honda in really tough conditions. He's actually uh, left a couple out there. Like he bogeyed 15, which is the, the par five that you kind of have to take advantage of. He's playing the fives at one over today. Like that, like he's left a lot out there. There's some juice to squeeze out of, out of this, which is I think always something to look at. It's not like he's had his ceiling two rounds and he's a couple of shots off the lead. I think he's playing better than his score indicates. So 35 to one for a guy who's got what two wins on tour has proven it in tough conditions. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I think so. I mean, uh, Rom just made a long birdie putt. He's now two he's under. At, he's at two under. Okay. So yeah, I agree with you. I think I'm probably on, I think I'm probably on the same page. I like Sung Jay the most Xander, you know, Hovland at 80. <laughs> Have you watched a lot of Hovland this week? I've been tracking him closer. Cause I, I bet him too. He's, he's a wild one, man. He's a, he's a roller coaster. I mean, he'll get yeah. you. He, he is a lightning rod and that's kind of why I had some interest in him at a big number because he's made a ton of birdies this week, Rick. It's just about cleaning up the bad ones which is generally easier for some of the top players to to do than to just start making a bunch more birdies. Um, I like this, this Rory McIlroy round, you know, he's probably going to shoot like a 68. Hopefully he just gets in at 68. It could have been a 62 dude. He left not a 62, like a 64. He's left so many shots out there, which is, that's the thing with Rory. Uh, I feel like every time he plays, it's the worst round he could have shot. Like he's that good, right? He it's never the best round he could have got out of it. It's always the worst he got out of it. Cause you always are like, Holy crap. That could have been three shots better. I also really like Rick that he is going into the weekend as probably like the guy, because I think the thing that we've, you know, the running joke with Rory at this point is like, he's going to play his best golf when he's no longer relevant in the tournament. And so I'm excited to see how he does in a big tournament as probably like the favorite or one of the favorites heading into the weekend. Denny McCarthy out front in the clubhouse, seven under par, a couple guys trying to track him down and then we'll see what the afternoon wave does. Uh, Andy, I got a couple more things I need to talk to you about, but I need to uh, hit a quick break real quick. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top tens, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. The yearly disappointment uh, of losing the Masters raffle is now live. Yeah. Uh, did you 
Did you put in for that? Of course. Yeah. It's just like, I've, I'll just get an email in six weeks that says, whoops, sorry. I thought I've I never saw- done it. Have I ever what? I've never done it before. What's why? What's wrong with? I that? don't know. I just haven't like I haven't, I haven't gotten. I haven't like I didn't know it was a thing, really. To be honest with you, I didn't know that. Like how many? What, so what is the parameters? Like how many people get it? You, I actually read that you have like a better chance of winning like the actual lottery than winning than winning this lottery. There are not many passes available and everybody puts in and also um people like try to game the system they try to do it better where like you know i don't think you're supposed to put everybody in your household in but people do uh so it's very very hard to get but what you can do so i'm opening it up right now generally in the past what you do is you choose which day and the number of passes and you can choose like four passes for the practice rounds and two passes for each of the actual tournament rounds. And uh, they somehow raffle them off through a lottery system. But from my understanding, it's like, I've ne- I don't even know if I've known anyone who's ever, who's ever won it. Right. Well, I mean, I saw you just got the, you probably have a better chance. You're, could probably go based on credentials right at this point more so than winning the lottery i, I would yeah, say i mean i saw you for us yeah, Open. Yeah. Good to it is easier to get into media build up your reputation hook on with a network and get to a major championship that way than it is to like win the masters thing right like, yeah. taking the easier route here yeah. yeah. Um, we have somebody in the chat say that they won it the first time they ever applied black kaiman Cayman? I don't know. Cayman, Cayman. Never won again. Yeah. Yeah. That's Did you, did you go? T- tell us. I mean, because some people, because they also do like, I don't know if they want you to resell them. Like if you can't use it, they've really changed the rules and tried to keep it like, but, th- but then I see the stories of that same family sits behind 16T every year <laughs> for 25 years. And it's like, well, what the hell's going on here? I don't think they're members, but like, obviously they know somebody or something. Right. He's saying he went to, by the way. Yeah, um, no, that's on the bucket list for sure. Probably number one on the bucket list is get to the Masters. Can we talk about Bryson for a second? Whew. Last I checked, he was in dead last. Is he still there? Um, no. my uh, <laughs> One of my favorite 6K plays, Ryan Palmer, is actually in dead last. But um, he was last in the field in approach. I didn't get to watch a ton of his round yesterday, but I've been watching – this morning what how do you feel because i think we both said just give me something um yeah, i didn't see it <laughs> this was, it was something right and listen it's rust um we understand that it doesn't take a lot for these players uh but it seemed bryson seems like the type of player where coming off an injury it might take a little bit longer for him to recalibrate because He's not a, he's such a technical golfer that once you get out of sync and you're not practicing as much, it, it seems like it's harder to recover in a shorter period of time. Um, so I don't know. I don't think he's playing Canadian next week too. Uh, Xander bogey, um, or Xander, like 27 footer for bogey. He's probably going to make that. I didn't know if you were telling me that he makes it or if he, 
<laughs> or if he was putting for Boone. I have no idea what happened on nine there. Um, but yeah, I hope any, no one bet him live. I hope you took the Sungjae one instead. But yeah, I just, I don't know. How do you, did you get to watch a lot of him this week, Rick? Uh, yes. And it just, he just looks off everywhere. It was, I mean, it, I, it is the, the distance control on his approaches looked horrendous. He looked like he was coming up 15 yards short or 15 yards long. I mean, it was, it was significantly off, but I think you're right. I mean, he's like a throw a grain of sand in the motherboard and it, like the whole thing gets fried. Right. And he's going to just have to figure it out and get his new feels and get back to all the technical stuff. I was hoping to see like some signs of life because I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that just he's healthy again. He talked about, he talked about feeling good for the first time in a long time and being able to grip the grip, uh, grip the club the way that he wants to. But man, that was, that was not a very uh, optimistic uh, two rounds that I watched. What would you need? Like what number would you need on him to consider him for the U S open? So I'm glad you asked that because I do not believe this is like one of the better U S opens for Bryson. So, Oh, it's not, by the way, Gil Hans, who did winged foot uh, has alluded to in multiple interviews. I, what Bryson did to winged foot was unexpected and he will not be able to do that here. Yes. So when you missed by 30 yards at winged foot, you were in five inch rough. When you Correct. missed by two yards at winged foot, winged foot, you were in five inch rough, which is why yeah. everyone playing from five inch rough is why Bryson shreds the field. This setup will have thick rough, but also fescue that's taller. It has um, these, uh, what do they call them, Andy? Chocolate drops? Chocolate drop mounds, okay. yeah. Which, which just adds to the the randomness. And I also don't love, I don't love a US Open setup. Freaking Rory McIlroy is going to just cough this up for me. I think Xander just, made triple, which is just delightful. Bunker. Um, I do not like US Open setups that uh, maybe require a little bit of creativity. Right. And like, if you're on the wrong side of these chocolate drops or whatever, like I, I think this is a terrible setup for Bryson. So I would need a pretty long number. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Um, that, that I would, I would say probably, I mean, it's tough cause he's getting put at like, I think you could have gotten him this week at a, at a hundred to one this week yes. basically. So it's like, how high, how high do you want to go with him? Um, I wonder what they'll do with like a DJ. I wonder if they put DJ like in the thirties or forties, right? How will they, how will they treat it? If DJ wins the live golf event, which will be the favorite in, and then like, well, that's going to, are there, is that really going to impact his odds for the U S open? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> that opens up a whole can I because I wonder like, do you think we'll get shot tracker for a live golf event? Do you think we'll get strokes gain data for that? <laughs> I doubt we get strokes gain data. That'd be pretty interesting if we did. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's only it's only uh what 48 golfers, uh, and it's only 54 holes. I I, I don't know what they're going to have. I mean, were you 
how surprised were you that DJ's name was on the list? I was surprised at face value, but then when I started thinking about it more, it made a lot more sense to me. Um, you know, the one thing that I haven't heard get talked about a ton with DJ um, is that he hasn't been an elite golfer for a year and a half. Like he hasn't been playing well um, for a really long time. Uh, since he won the Masters in November of 2020, the closest he's gotten to winning a tournament on the PGA Tour was the semifinals of the match play when he got waxed by Scotty Scheffler, right? So the interesting question that I have, Rick, I'm curious to get your take on this. Like, do you think if DJ was contending in majors and winning consistently on the PGA Tour, do you think he still goes? Yes, I do. I think so too. But I think, you know, I think what's what I'm trying to figure out if this is part of it, because obviously the number one reason is the money, right? But you look at somebody like a Rory or a Rom um, or a JT or a Spieth who aren't even really considering it, right? Those are guys that you know, are in their late twenties, early thirties that are still playing like top five players in the world that are still competing with this younger generation. Right. And DJ hasn't really done that over like a pretty large sample size now. So I, I wonder if part of it is DJ just being like, you know what? I'm 38 years old, right? I'm nearing a different stage of my career. Like, this makes so much more sense for me. And I don't, from everything I've heard too, I've, I've a friend that, that fishes with him sometimes like his priorities are different. Like he, he, he has a very tight circle. He cares about his friends and his family. You know, a guy like Rory and JT, like those guys are obsessed with tiger. They're obsessed with the history of the PGA tour. Like, I don't think DJ cares about any of those things. And I think when he got that second masters, maybe he was like, you know, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So, so these high-end athletes don't think like normal humans. So I don't think if you ask DJ how his last 18 months have been, if he would be like, well, maybe this, maybe I'm on the end of it. You know, maybe I, maybe I'm on the downswing. I haven't contended. I feel like these guys, and oftentimes they are wrong, always think they're one week away or always think they're yeah. one spot away. So I don't think like, like we, as media, we as spectators, we write these guys' obituaries 10 years before they think they're done, um, yeah. which I think is interesting. And then the other part, the obvious part, I, I mean, listen, I'm not like a proponent of what Liv is doing, but I imagine there are a lot of people that if you doubled their career earnings, no matter what amount that was, their salary – for their career, if they doubled it and handed it to you in one day, you would turn it down, which is if, if these reports are correct, about $125 million uh, is basically what they did to Dustin Johnson. 
I think that if the the first tournament isn't like I don't know, like a fire fest situation, isn't it like a uh an embarrassment where people are making jokes about it on Twitter and you know the live streaming like I think if it can avoid this giant, you know, public backlash in, in that sense, I think the field for the one in, I think, what is it? Portland. Yeah. Um, is going to be really strong. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> it's only going to get stronger for sure. It's only going to yeah. get stronger for sure. And the, 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 the thing that's so interesting is behind the scenes. I mean, this organization is like, so disorganized like everyone you talk to and everything that they try to and everything that they do it's almost like a laughing stock behind the scenes of like how disorganized they actually are so i do wonder what's going to happen when they actually go to put this event on and it might just holy crap this is like i mean think about it The, the pga tour has years of experience in what's right and what's wrong whether they've done a good enough job of 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 learning from those mistakes is a completely different conversation but they're they're going at this you know inaugural run it it might be a little hairy at first i will say this um generally rule of thumb is you know if something seems too good to be true it it probably is i think these guys are going to be a little surprised like i think there's a little bit of a catch with the money i don't know if you've read all of the stuff but it seems like these guys, there's like certain fan packages that give all these guys like absurd fan access. Like basically if, you know, you could pay extra money to be like inside the ropes and get all of this access to players. I'm pretty sure they have to wear uniforms. Like you are like, there's going to be some annoying, like these guys own you a little bit. Like they're going to, if you're getting that much money, like there are going to be, I'm sure some of the guys are, I'm sure it's still probably worth it when it's that much money, but there's generally a catch with this stuff that I think is going a little bit under, you know, (laughs) hasn't been talked about as much. And I think you actually alluded to what I think is a really good point in what the PGA tour has kind of screwed up uh, over the last five decades is no one, even Rom and Rory, those guys did not pledge their allegiance to the PGA tour by saying, I got to play the Travelers Championship. I got to play Rocket Mortgage. I got to play whatever. They, even the FedEx Cup is like, okay, it's a lot of money, yada, yada, yada. But it's about the majors. It's about the security. It's about all that other stuff as opposed to the money. I actually think what has happened with the PGA Tour specifically around naming the tournaments and selling the rights to naming these tournaments has created a situation where it was a short-term money grab for naming rights when they could have been building prestigious events. You know, if you had the Las Vegas Open that never changed it, you could present it by whatever, but like to have these events, and I know it sounds silly, but when you have an event that goes from the American Express to the Humana to the whatever they want to call it each and every year. Like you can't build prestige if no one knows what the tournament is called and no one cares what the tournament is called. 
just call it the des you know the, the the desert classic would be better than than trying to change the naming sponsor every single year i think they should turn down the short term term naming rights for tournaments and build prestigious events that like people care about f1's the same way right like they're going to monaco they're not going to the fortinet monaco challenge or whatever right like they're just not right like i think you have to think of it in terms of say there's a scenario where you can play the majors but you can't play on the pga tour ever again there's a lifetime ban what are you actually giving up there if you can play if you can still play the majors you're giving up memorial which is you know an iconic tournament uh obviously bay hill which is an iconic tournament um you know riviera which is another iconic tournament that you have tiger's name behind it but you know that's basically and the fedex cup which i think the fedex cup kind of gets deemed a little bit irrelevant as well if you know a regular live event you're you can make pretty much just as much right so the opportunity cost i i don't I don't know how many people are going to look at that and say, Hey, if I can still play the majors, which is really what your legacies depend on the players. That's a good point. Dan Kelly, the players championship. That's a, that's a pretty big one, right? I mean, the purse for the players isn't as big as the purse for a live golf event, but you know, that's probably the one where it's like, okay, if you can never play the players again, how does that make you feel? Does, do, pe do people care? Right. Even the Fed, the FedEx Cup is just a system to pay the best players. No one cares about winning the FedEx Cup. They care about the 18 million bucks. If it, you know, it, it, again, I go back to F1 because I think they've done such a great job, right? Like you win the world championship. You're the world champion for the year. You are not the, you know, master card card holder of the year or whatever BS they want to sell to, to some big company. There is a prestige in saying that. And quite honestly, in 20 years, it might not be called the FedEx cup. And we're going to have to proactive. We're going to have to all agree that Billy Horschel won the Tesla cup or won the, you know, Amazon cup. Remember when he won that? And we're going to have to act like that happened. 20 years prior, because we go back and we rename this stuff. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. It's also ironic because the Saudi Arabia public investment fund has given a ton of money to FedEx too. Um, which is just part of, part of that. Well, they can't really, uh, in fairness, they can't really, um, a lot of these places can't choose what their investors are when they're public companies like that. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it is, I am so fascinated to see. And the fact that it hasn't come out yet is how this gets presented to us, right? How, you know, it's tougher for us, Rick, because we're on the West Coast, right? So the time difference for an event in London doesn't really work out great for us to be able to watch a ton of it unless we want to be up in the middle of the night, right? But I'm so fascinated to see how over the next couple of days uh, they roll out the media plan, right? They roll out how the, how we watch this stuff, if odds are going to exist for this, if people are... Are do they want people covering it? 
are there going to be, is there going to be media there asking players questions? Is it their own media? Is it a situation where like, you know, in Russia or something, the media members work for the organizations that they're covering? Like, we don't have answers to any of these questions. We don't. We don't. And uh, I guess we will because in six days, they're teeing off in London. And I know, um, I don't know if you saw this, Jerry Foltz, who was with the Golf Channel for a long time, just bounced. He went over to live. And really? like, out of the blue, like, um, I guess he got a great offer or whatever. So I don't know if we're going to see more of that. And like, that's how this is going to be covered. Or I, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll cover it a bunch more in the upcoming weeks, including next week. Uh, very quickly, you will not be making any one and done money this week, unfortunately, because your selection, Hideki Matsuyama, thought it a great idea to white out his three wood face. The, this is just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Silly game. Yeah, I I was playing golf yesterday, but I heard the Twitter freak out and all that stuff. And I guess there were pictures of it before golf WRX posted something yeah. like this. There was even the, cause he he's playing with Reed, right? So yes. there was the easy joke of Reed ratted him out. Um, yeah, it's bad luck, but who do you have again? You have Morikawa. Yeah. He's, he's one under okay. the this afternoon. Okay. All right. I mean, the, I was very close to Xander the closing double makes me feel a little bit better about that. Cause I would have been in immense pain if Xander, you know, goes on to win, which I, I still hope for, I guess, because that would help my wallet in other ways, but um, that stinks. Yeah. I feel like I'm slowing down. I feel like all the momentum is on your side at this point. Uh, I'm like, uh, have you ever seen the Atlanta Braves games where the freeze races a guy and gives him yeah. like a, uh, a hundred foot head start. Like I feel like I'm the freeze trying to try to chase you down. I don't always win. I've lost a step over the years, but I'm 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 chasing you down. I hope I've got enough time to do so. Yeah, yeah. No, you've got you've got all the momentum, and we've got. We're not gonna do we're not gonna do live, are we? <laughs> we're not gonna do oh, live yeah. one and done. Yeah, I, I need it. I need the four million bucks up top and the two point one for first. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Prize purses to this thing. <laughs> cool. All right, Andy. Uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend. We'll be back at it uh, again on Tuesday, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird mix of RBC Canadian Week. There's gonna be the uh, the the London stuff for live, and then there's gonna be the early conversation around the U.S. Open next week. I have a feeling is gonna be um, it's gonna be fascinating to see what happens next week. I'm very excited. Have a great rest of your weekend, Rick. Andy Lack available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. Producer Mina does uh, all the hard work behind the scenes. You can find me at Rick Rudd Good. We'll see you Tuesday. Have a good one.